<laughs> I hate you so much. This is recorded, right? Yeah. I knew as soon as you put the microphone closer to my face <laughs> that you were recording. I'm just going to get these waves yeah. louder. You're not subtle. I used to think I was like subtle, but boy, am I wrong. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. I wasn't listening to you. I was blocking a bot on Tumblr. <laughs> Sorry. If, you, if ever there was a better a better example of our friendship. I am deeply ashamed. Uh, this is going to be the intro. <laughs> oh, sorry, buddy. That's okay. <laughs> Just something to talk to my therapist about. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> start everyone oh i'm crying <laughs> and it has nothing to do with any of the things we read nope oh okay hello everyone <laughs> welcome to the fic list what is sure to be an exciting uh-huh. dynamic a well thought out episode it should be really great mm. um we're talking what are we talking about <laughs> alan it's- Okay. Is this what I think it is? It is. Yeah, so it's our Thanksgiving episode. Wow! Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. I grew up with turkeys in my backyard. That's not a metaphor. <laughs> I mean that literally. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> there were just turkeys that grew up in my backyard. Did you ever feel guilty during Thanksgiving? A little bit. Did you Did you guys kill the turkeys in no, your backyard? Every no, every year my dad made a joke that we were going to go out and kill a turkey <laughs> and eat it. And then my mom would remind him that wild turkeys are too gamey. Uh, and so we didn't. But all of the turkeys live in the woods behind my house. And the funny thing about turkeys that people don't realize is that they sleep in trees, but they can't fly. So they jump up the branches of the trees. And really? Then, yeah. And then they settle, and then they fall asleep, so, and then they fall out of the branch because they are asleep. <laughs> so you would just wait, and so you just hear... <laughs> and then it would jump back up. And then like a couple hours later, you go... <laughs> and it was awesome. Incredible. Yeah. That is my favorite turkey fact now. Yeah. Anyway. So. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. That's the episode. <laughs> the whole episode. <laughs> um, so we're talking Thanksgiving. That's our general tag. And what's our AU this week, Aaron? Our AU, otherwise known as an alternate universe, is Librarian AU. Yes. How do you feel about Librarian AU? I'm going to be deadly honest with you, Aaron. I... When I was a boy, when I was but a wee lad. So uh, like three days ago. Oh, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> First of all, you ignore me, then you're going to insult me. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> when I was a wee lad uh, and in school, you know, they always ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, oh, a lawyer, a doctor, a veterinarian, mm-hmm. an astronaut. I always said librarian. That says so much about you as a person. <laughs> it was my biggest dream. That tracks. And like to this day, there are some times when I'm like sitting at my desk at work and I'm like, I could quit. Good. I could just go. I can, I can, I can open my own little bookstore. I can, I can just live among books. <gasps> and I think honestly, at some point I'll probably will. Honestly, you, you could. Yeah, I think I will. You have the skill set for it so in sweet. terms of like admin. You totally could. Uh, and you read a lot and like you have enough of a like wide base of knowledge. Yeah, you could pull that off. 
So I was ridiculously excited when we were like, we're going to do Library at IAU. What about you? I was excited, but probably not as much as you were. Like, I think librarian AUs are really great. Um, mm-hmm. I don't tend to read them. It's kind of like a Cinderella AU for me, where, like, if you find a good one, I'm into it. Ooh. But it's not something I actively seek out so much, and I don't know that they always work. Right. So I think they're really... I was excited to find one. I was more excited to read yours for me than I was to have to find one, because I didn't really have any laying around mm-hmm. in, like, my back pocket. Right. Um... But I don't, I don't dislike them by any stretch, yeah. and I think they can be really, really sweet and really fun. And <laughs> yeah, like very. Some of them can be really silly, and yeah. Yeah, there's so, a lot you can do with them. I think. Yeah, absolutely. But why don't we? Why don't we launch into our our first tag, our general tag, our festive tag? Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Boy, we tired. Yeah, we a little punchy. So Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Do you want to start? Sure. Okay. Okay. So, you sent me plenty to be thankful for. <laughs> uh, it's on Archive of Our Own. It is written by A-L underscore E-X underscore A-N underscore D underscore E-R underscore Hamiltons. <laughs> Not meant to be read out loud. Nope. <laughs> by any stretch. Not even close. It is a new fandom. It is Schitt's Creek. New fandom. I'm so proud of you. Thank I you. Can't, I saw this and I was like, I'm so proud of her. I tried really hard. Thank you. I spent a lot of time in the Schitt's Creek fandom trying to find a Thanksgiving <laughs> thing because I was like, I have to or Alan might literally kill me. <laughs> and also I've fallen pretty deeply in love with David and Patrick oh, so from happy. Schitt's Creek. Um I, I'm gonna shame myself here for a minute. I have only um I haven't watched the show in full. Aaron. I've watched about eight episodes of the first season and then I've skipped through Aaron. the rest of the show only watching the clips of David and Patrick. Aaron. Because I'm garbage. <laughs> I just really wanted a happy queer couple guys. Oh. That's all I wanted. And was that's what like I got. A, was there no compilation on YouTube or something? You well, that's watch? where it started. Oh, it was I a see. compilation on YouTube. And then I was like, well, I would like to get a little bit more context, but I'm not willing to commit to watching three seasons of this right now. <laughs> so I just watched some of the, like, I went through the Netflix queue. I will eventually read all, like, or watch all of it. Dan Levy has my heart. In his hands. I've yet to watch this, so I'm judging you very harshly, but... <laughs> oh, that's fair. But it's... I really... Yeah, I just really like this pair. Because they're just a super sweet, normal couple. And yeah. that's what's really great about them. I love that. Yeah. So, this is... Uh, if you couldn't tell, it's a David and Patrick coupling. Mm-hmm. The summary reads, Patrick is missing his family on his first Thanksgiving away from home, and David wants to make it right. That's a good summary. Yep. This is really short and sweet. Yep. I, it was like a nice little little slice of apple pie. Uh-huh. So it opens with Patrick talking about how uh, this is his favorite time of year, which honestly, if if there's anyone on this planet who tells me that the fall, like the holiday season is not their favorite, I, I can't associate with you. You unfollow them. Yeah. Like if someone is like, oh, I love the summer, like being at the beach, I will literally, I, I can't associate with you. Yeah. I know. I'm the same way. That's why we're friends. Exactly. <laughs> we both like sweaters in cold weather. We are both in sweatery right now. Yep. yep. I was so ready to take out this sweater. Oh, it, I, this it is an good. Irish roll sweater. It's scratchy as fuck, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good. Thanks. So, yeah, Patrick's talking about how it's his favorite time of the year. And then just kind of goes into how grateful he is to be in Schitt's Creek and, like, to have found David. And, like, he's grateful for all these things. But he's really missing his family. I was going to ask you, do you know why... 
I mean, kind of. I know that he he was engaged to a woman. Oh. And Rachel. And he was very close to his family and kind of had the idyllic sort of like small town life. And then decided that that really wasn't authentic to who he was. Mm. Up and left. Basically just kind of like booked it out of his hometown. And then moved to Schitt's Creek to basically start anew. And he started out by working for Ray, who is the town sort of, like, everyman. So he's mostly a real estate agent, but he also has all of these, like, side schemes going on (laughs) all the time. So he lived at Ray's house and, like, worked for him as a clerk. Mm -hmm. And that's how he met David. Because David Uh came in to get paperwork to start the general store. He wanted to, like, start his own business. Um, Basically, Patrick made fun of him the whole time because David didn't really have a business plan. (laughs) He was just, like, he was like, well, it's more of, like, an experience. And, like, it's, like, a coffee shop, but we won't have coffee. And, like, I just want people to, like, really get the vibe, you know? Because David comes from a lot of money, but not a lot of, like, pragmatism. I see. And Patrick was like, okay, so I can't put that on a federal income, <laughs> like, identification number form. You need to give me, like, words. Yeah. And that's when they kind of started liking Aww. each other. And it was really cute. Oh. So I don't fully know Patrick's story beyond that, but I know that he lives apart from his family and everybody he kind of grew up with gotcha. because of that. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I did not have my mm-hmm. contacts, but I was just like, we're going to go with it anyway. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Patrick is homesick and David wants to help. And so I, th- I get the feeling that David's family, uh, like he's not, they, his family's not the traditional family. No, not like, at all. Like they didn't have a Thanksgiving where no. you know, they sit around and like... Do you know the context of the show? Do you know, like, the premise of the show? Okay, so the very first thing that happens in the show is that the Rose family, David's family, Mm -hmm. is, like, an uber-rich, crazy millionaire family based on... His father ran Rose Video, which is essentially, like, Blockbuster, and made all of his money. And then in the first episode, you basically open onto the scene of all of their belongings getting repossessed because they had trusted all of their money to their brother-in-law who embezzled it all and left them with nothing. The only thing that the government allowed them to keep because it was so useless was ownership rights of a town called Schitt's Creek that they had bought for David's birthday when he was 13 (sighs) as a joke. So the government, they were like, well, what are we going to do? Like, we don't have anywhere to live. Like, you're taking all our stuff. And they were like, well, you can actually live in Schick's Creek for, like, nothing. So go live there. Yeah. In the shitty motel and, like, regroup. So they move into this shitty hotel in Schick's Creek. And they have to learn how to be, like, real people. And it's incredible. It's an incredible premise for a show. God, I have to watch it. Yeah, I think we should watch it maybe together and like yes. try to like get through it. <gasps> That'd be fun. Yeah, the first season that I've watched so far is really delightful, but David's character is a very like there's a lot of sort of like cringy moments. Oh no. Where it's hard because you can see him trying really hard, oh. but he's like struggling and he's oh, really boy. but he's very like he's not quite the gay stereotype, but he pushes some of those buttons and like has that. fallen into a version of himself to please others and is still really figuring out who he is. Wow. And Retweet. uh Patrick is really the first person who sees him and is like, mm. No. <laughs> you silly. Aww. But I like you because you cute. Cute. And David is the first person who allows Patrick to, like, come out, really. Like, Patrick uh, wasn't out before David. Aww. So um, David allows him to be himself, too, which is really nice. You speak so eloquently for a show you've only, like, glimpsed at. I get so much context from fanfiction, guys. <laughs> Maybe this is just the fanfic dynamic. I don't know. <laughs> in the show, they hate yeah, each other. Yeah, in the it's show, just, they're, like, like not this cute at all. That's but funny. No, it's really cute. And I've, like, kind of 
I've, I've seen most of their interactions together, and I think that rings true for what that makes they're sense. like. Yeah. So Patrick is homesick, and he's like trying to <laughs> trying to arrange these apples in what what were David's directions? He was like, oh yeah, stack them in an effortless but neat way. <laughs> <laughs> per David's completely unclear instructions. <laughs> <laughs> and so these apples just keep falling every time he stacks them. And so at some point while he's like picking them off the ground, he just sits against the counter and is sad and holds his apple. He's like on the floor. <laughs> yep. And David comes out and is like, Oh, hello. Anyone here? Yeah. And Patrick just holds the apple up above the counter. He's like, down here. <laughs> here we are. David, like, leans over and asks, hi, what are we doing on the floor? Yeah, you okay? Yeah. Was Patrick, the apple mean to you? <laughs> feeling sorry for ourselves. Oh. Oh, man. Did the apple say something mean to you? Yeah. And then Patrick's like, I miss my mom's apple pie. And it's so sweet. David comes around and, like, they sit close, like, super mm-hmm. close. And then David uh, offers up, like, well, why don't we have, like, a Friendsgiving here at the at the store? Mm-hmm. And it's apparently out of character for David to do, like... Yeah. Because, again, he doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. It's not, like, a... Yeah. He doesn't celebrate... He is not... He has a good amount of social anxiety. Oh. And he also is not a particularly generous in the traditional sense kind of person he has a hard time thinking about like what other people would necessarily want or need in a given moment because he's not used to having to care yeah so he's really he's really learning how to be sort of Mm. thoughtful in that way um he's naturally not a bad person but he just he hasn't had to think about other people that way before. That's wonderful. So he's like figuring it out. Oh my god. I'm gonna yeah. have to reread this. Probably yeah. during Thanksgiving after I've just stuffed myself with turkey. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, oh, what else? I just need like a little treat, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what this is. It, uh, after that, like, Patrick is so excited and David's like, you should call your mom and get that apple pie recipe. And then it, it becomes very like slice of life. Yeah. Um, they go apple picking. <laughs> And David dressed to look cute, but yeah. it, it's like in fingerless gloves. <laughs> so he's really cold. Yeah, it's just freezing. And Patrick was like, I told you to put a coat on. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yep. Um, and then they they talk about how they, they're going to need to share the pie. They don't want to share the pie, so they're going to make a second pie. <laughs> One of David's defining characteristics is that he like eats his feelings. All the time, whether they're good or bad, <laughs> he just eats them. So David and food is kind of a running thing. I love it. And then they're at the Thanksgiving uh, dinner, and this is like a moment where because I didn't really know anyone, yeah, I, I didn't get that like warm and fuzzy. Like I got the warm and fuzzy feeling, like the ambiance was. Li- it's really lovely, and like it talks about oh. Uh, uh, Jocelyn, Ronnie, and Moira were gathered in the corner, apparently discussing their new Jazzigal show. Johnny was looking flustered, trying to explain something about the motel's water heater to Roland. Right. Stevie, wine drunk and misty, had sat on at one end of the table, taking it all in. So these are kind of like details that are, I think, lovely when you know the characters yeah. and like, oh, it's nice to see everyone together and that kind. So I didn't get that de- that layer of depth. Yeah. Um, but that's strictly because I, I'm not familiar with the show. Yeah. But I I got like the warmth and it was nice to see everyone around. <laughs> And David insisted on a neutral toned dress code for dinner, which no one but him, Patrick, and Moira (laughs) abided by. Yeah, which is hilarious. Incredible. Yeah, that's like something David would do. He's such a like... He's such a nudge yeah. about certain things, and everyone else around him is like, no, baby. <laughs> just like, we're, no, you're just ridiculous, and it's fine. But Patrick tries. <laughs> I, Bless him. I love, I feel like this is written very, like, I don't want, I won't say in character, because I feel like we don't spend a lot of time 
with the character, so mm-hmm. we can't ever really tell how in character it is. But a lot of the choices that they make mm-hmm. uh, is very on brand for them. Yeah, and I think this feels like a very authentic, authentic telling of a yes. moment in the show that got a little bit glossed over, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in season five, Patrick comes out to his parents for the first time as oh. part of, like, an actual, like, he has a, David throws him a surprise birthday party, Cute. invites his parents to come down oh, for the weekend. Boy, David. Which is a great idea in theory, uh-huh. but he didn't ask yep. ahead of time of if Patrick was out, and then he was like, Oh no. Yep. Um David's father accidentally outs him before Patrick can say anything. Oh. And David knows but Patrick doesn't. And he spends the whole time trying to like like placate the whole situation. And it turns out Patrick's parents really are super cool and oh, don't, good. they don't they're not mad at all. Oh, yay. It's totally fine. Oh. Um and uh but David is like, "Okay, we let him come out to you even though you know because this is important for him. Aww. Like, don't take this from him. And they're like, okay, okay. It's great. <laughs> and it's told in a comedic way, but it's actually really nice. I'm gonna cry. It's really sweet. <sighs> um, and Patrick and David earlier in the, sort of in the conversation where David realizes his mistake and Patrick is like, oh God. And because David has to tell him that his parents are there. Yeah. And he was like, uh, I, I made a mistake. I didn't, I didn't think this through. Mm-hmm. Patrick is like, you know, I was going to tell them at Thanksgiving, but then I was so wrapped up with your family and then it didn't happen. And it's just been like, there's never been a good time and right. I'm not ashamed of you, but like, Oh my God. And David's like, no, no this is your thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm okay. If you need me to just be your business partner for the weekend, I can do that. Aww. And Patrick's like, no, I owe it to us to tell them the truth. <laughs> I so I went on a whole rant on Twitter about this because this is who I am as a person. Of course, that scene to me, I was like, this is the difference between a show that is written by like straight people and a show that is written by a queer person. Right. Because Dan Levy is not to diminish him at all. He's an incredible creative genius. His writing is his writing is good because it is good. It's Mm -hmm. not because he's gay, but the authenticity of the storyline and also he made a very conscious decision that his characters were never going to suffer because they were gay or queer in any way. He was like, no, they're just going to be accepted for who they are. And that's what it is. And we're not going to have like homophobia on my show. We aren't going to have queer baiting. We aren't going to have any of that. And I think that really is owed to the fact that he is of the community. I love him. And that is why I was like, after all of the pain I've put Alan through. (laughs) I was about to say, thank God you sent me this. Because, oh my God, you have hurt me so bad. I'm going to give him really sweet queer narrative. I'm going to latch on to this. You should. I'm going to hold on to this. It's really good. It's very helpful. I can't wait. This is my next show. I I think we should also get Dan Levy on this podcast. (gasps) Dan Levy, come. Oh, I love him. Not on the same episode as Hale Appleman, though. Because then they'll fall in love. We're just gonna be like, no, no. come back. It's not fair. <laughs> this didn't work out the way we planned. <laughs> no, I would love to talk to Dan Levy, particularly about this show. And like, he just signed a whole big new deal with oh, like God. a whole bunch of new shows. And I really hope he keeps up this sort of like he chose to end Shit's Creek yeah, where I, it ends, which that. is fantastic. And I really hope that he gets to keep having creative control in the way that he does because. Mm-hmm. Particularly for queer folk, like his story writing is really important. Amazing. And it's really well done. So the fic ends uh, later later at night after the Thanksgiving dinner, and they're all cuddled up in Patrick's bed at Ray's. And Patrick's talking about how they, you know, what did, you know, what we forgot to do is like go around the room and say what we're grateful for. And Patrick says a whole bunch of things that I didn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I'm grateful for your lack of knowledge and uh, filling. Filing. I'm grateful for your lack of knowledge and filing out incorporation paperwork, which sh- now I understand. That should say filling out incorporation paperwork. That's a typo. Well, 
<laughs> Rip in peace. Yep. <laughs> I'm grateful for Ray Double booking himself. I'm grateful for guests who leave their drugs behind in the motel. Yep. I'm grateful for your family forgetting your birthday. Yeah. All of those are, like, opportunities where they got to, like, get closer. I, I love that. Yeah. That's and great. actually, I'm grateful for your family forgetting your birthday is their first date. Oh, Which is really cute. Yeah, that's so awful, but cute. Yeah, the family forgot his birthday. Well, kind of forgot his birthday. And Patrick was like, well, why don't we go to dinner? As like, because they're business partners. Yeah. She's like, well, it's, I'll, I'll take you out. And Dave was like, you really don't have to do that. And he's like, no, I, I want to. Like, it'll be great. They go to dinner. And at the end of it, he, Patrick drives him home. And David leans in to kiss him in the car. Mm. And Patrick is like, thank you. I didn't have the guts to do that. Oh. And it was just, <laughs> oh, God. It's so good. It's so I'm a sobbing mess already. It's so We're good. We're 20 minutes into this podcast. I'm and really I excited to, like, actually watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think it's going to be really good. <laughs> We're gearing ourselves up. We're going to get there. Well, I think you have to go through some shit to get there, though, first. Fuck me. It'll well, be good. I always it'll be funny. Yeah. You know where it's going, and it's a good, you know, That's where true. it's going. That's so, true. As opposed to other shows that will remain nameless. Well, we will, that will remain nameless <laughs> yeah. in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until later. Nope. <laughs> we won't talk about it. <laughs> and that's where it ends, basically. They say yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, and they're all cute in bed, and it's the most adorable thing in the world. I thought this was a really good, uh, this was a really good pick. It was, it was, sh- I think the shortest, no, it's One the, the second shortest, shortest yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the second shortest fic we've ever sent mm-hmm. each other. 2,000 words. Um, so I was like, oh, this is this is interesting and out of character for Aaron. I know. I was grateful. <laughs> yeah. But, I was a little sick of sending you 20-chapter fics. Thank you. Because I was like, I don't want to read another 20-chapter fic today, so I'm not going to send Alan one. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, boy, this was this was wonderful. Uh, my only thing would be... There, so the author has a four-part series called This Year's Love, um, and each part is like a seasonal standalone story that's mm-hmm. loosely canon-compliant and meant to take place within the first year of their relationship. So I feel like this is very much like a... Uh, it's going to go into, like, gamer modes. <laughs> like, uh, do you know what a DLC is? Like, downloadable content? <laughs> no! An expansion pack, <laughs> if you will? I know what an expansion pack is in cards. So kind of like that. It feels like an add-on. Like, oh. to something to like yeah. a greater narrative so i wish mm-hmm. that i wish that this was a little more fleshed out and like uh yeah. and this is not like to the author i think the author wrote what they wanted to write right this is more like i would have craved a little more thanksgiving it's almost what i would consider like an episode tag or something like that do you know what i mean no i don't know what do that you know that frame okay so in fanfic a lot of the time what people will do is they will take something that is mentioned or glossed over in an episode oh, yes. and write out what happened right. and that's called an episode tag got it yeah so that's kind of what this reads like to me where mm. it's like well we know that they had thanksgiving together but we don't know what it looked like or what happened gotcha. in full sort of disclosure mm-hmm. so there's something to play with there but right. it's just kind of a little bump out exactly yeah I loved it. This was wonderful. Yay. I would say 3.6. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I feel like I'm two for two in terms of, like, fulfilling the holiday tag as expected. (laughs) You know what I mean? I, like, gave you the quintessential Halloween tag, and now I've given you the quintessential Thanksgiving tag. What was your Halloween tag? I don't even remember. It was the one with, um... The costumes and Quentin and Elliot and Star Wars. Oh, and- that's right. <laughs> the Halloween party. Yeah. yeah and right. I was like, I'm just going to lean into this. That is, yeah. All right. Two wow. for two. Two for two. Good for you. Yeah. All right. What did you send me? What did I send you? You sent me. Oh, okay. Early Worm Gets the Bird, which is a Teen Wolf fanfic. It is. Alan is making a face. 
that Visit? you all can't see. What, what would you describe my face on? Shit-eating grin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Early Worm Gets the Bird by Juicetta, J-O-O-S-E-T-T-A, on Archive of Our Own. The summary, dear listeners, <laughs> and it's an accurate summary, I'll tell you, is, in which Styles sends Derek a dick pic, Derek has no idea what to do and ends up having to cook Thanksgiving dinner as a result. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> I also really like the author's note, which is, this is unbated and also incredibly stupid. <laughs> which is, like, very self-aware and very accurate. Love it. I kind of thought this was great. Like, yeah, yeah. it was silly. It was fun. Yeah. Like, whatever. Who doesn't love a good, like, dick pic? Texting <laughs> pic? Um, there's a, I have a couple of those that are just, they're always really stupid and we fun. We need to add that tag to our list. It's a great tag. Um, so, the premise is that Styles and Derek text back and forth a lot, um, particularly since Styles left for college. With sort of infrequent visits in between, but mostly they just send weird pictures back and forth, and it's just, like, odd stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how they keep in touch. But it was like, all right. And Derek was like, okay, cool, a text from Styles. Like, I'll open this. He opens it, and it's a dick pic. <laughs> and he's just like, what the fuck? But he also was like, mm, okay. But he's, like, actually kind of hung. <laughs> like, yep. Okay. And so... He, his brain breaks a little bit. Same. And the text accompanying it is like, all for you, big boy. And it's like <laughs> very weird and out of character for him. And he's like, what the fuck is this shit? So uh, he goes to Scott and is like, have you heard from Styles recently? And he's trying to figure out what this is. And he's like, uh, I don't. I don't really know what's going on. And in this conversation, basically Scott kind of like maneuvers him into, not intentionally, but Derek has to like kind of come up with a reason why he's asking about Styles. And Mm -hmm. he's like, well, I was thinking about having the whole pack over for Thanksgiving dinner. And Scott is like, fuck yeah. We love this. So into it. Please feed us. Well, the big thing is that uh, Derek asks, like, oh, you know, is Styles coming back for Thanksgiving? And Scott's like, well, yeah, he's coming back. And Derek asks, oh, is he bringing back anyone <laughs> yeah like does he have a partner yeah like what's going on and then scott's like no why do you want to know if he's coming back with someone and then Derek's like to get a head count right. for when i host Thanksgiving. <laughs> he's like i'm thinking quickly <laughs> <laughs> gotta come up with an excuse um and then he was like well fuck now yep. i'm cooking goddamn thanksgiving dinner for half the fucking town <laughs> jesus so mad we love it so, and then he was like, well, it's actually not going to be that bad. Like, other people will bring food. I have enough space. It'll be fine. Like, I'm just not super pleased about having a bunch of people in my space. I'm kind mm-hmm. of antisocial. Same. So then, you know, they skip ahead a little bit. It's very sort of vignette-y mm-hmm. at points. And it's like, Derek kept the picture. <laughs> but he doesn't look at it. And I'm like, mm, do you though? Um, so he keeps it and he just keeps thinking about it like it's kind of consuming his thoughts and he's just like he doesn't text back he doesn't acknowledge that it happened right away and then he's like okay i'm gonna keep it styles shows up at some point uh or they run into each other shopping he's going to get the turkeys and it's a whole thing and he runs into styles at the grocery store and he's like hey what's up (laughs) and Derek is like uh (laughs) because he's like no explanation you're not gonna explain this at all you're not gonna cop to this and then Styles is like, all right, it's cool. You don't have to answer my question. Are you getting the turkeys? Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, and Derek is like, mm-hmm. And he just grabs some turkeys and books it. Runs. Um, Derek was in such a hurry to get the fuck out of there, he totally forgot about his coupons. <laughs> which is really funny. So Lydia Martin, who's one of their friends, comes over and they, like, 
force Derek to clean his house. <laughs> um, they come over and they like decorate and they make it look really good. And in that moment, he's talking to Lydia and he's like, has anyone sent you a dick pic? <laughs> and Lydia's <laughs> like, oh yeah, many, because I'm a woman and that's life. Correct. That's life and womanhood. Woof. And Derek's like, what does it mean if someone sends you a dick pic? And Lydia was like, you know exactly what it means. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. And he was like, well, yeah, you're right. And after that, he finally texts Styles back, like, why the hell did you send me that? And then, are you trying to drive me crazy? Woo! <gasps> Incredible! Which is so good. So Styles shows up, mm-hmm. and then uh, really early <laughs> for yeah. Thanksgiving dinner, like, well in advance of everybody else. And then he kind of is out with it, and he's like, sorry, I didn't actually send you that picture. I was with somebody, and he was an asshole, and he sent it to you. And he sent it to a couple of people, and like... I'm I'm sorry if it made you feel uncomfortable. Um, and that's really a downer. <laughs> <laughs> Your heart shatters and immediately. And you're just like, aw, buddy. And then Derek's like, oh, it's whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Why did you have it in the first place? He was like, because it was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to see what it looked like. Yeah. And then Derek's like, okay, uh, let's go make some cornbread. And they're like, okay. And they like go off and make cornbread. <laughs> and they're like, are we good? We're good. Cool. Great. And then, you know, Styles goes off and tells some other stories about his crazy exploits in life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody shows up for dinner and they have a good, like, time and it's a good whatever. They, uh, they're eating and then Derek eventually just, like, needs to take a break from all of the people who are sitting at his table and eating all the food and just being loud. It's yeah. like a lot of people. So he goes upstairs and, like, he had deleted the dick pic at this point, but he looks back through all of the messages that had been back and forth between him and Styles, and there's actually quite a lot of them. Like, and he kind of hadn't realized how frequently they communicated mm-hmm. with each other and how much it meant to him. Right. And, uh, and it's also a lot of Styles being like, this reminds me of you, and this, I saw this today and thought of you, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is like, uh, <sighs> he was like, well, damn it. <laughs> um... And so he comes back downstairs, and they they eat dessert, and that's a little vignette. And then they skip ahead to the football game, and it's like, who's playing again? Styles said somewhere in the last quarter. Once he had sunk so far into the sofa, he was almost horizontal. Blue ones versus greeny gold ones, Derek <laughs> said, but his eyes were closed, so he couldn't be sure. Um, which is very Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, and everybody takes a you know post-dinner Thanksgiving nap, which is a time-honored tradition. Of course. A bunch of the, you know, everybody's playing canasta at the table. Cute. And uh, Derek was like, nah, I'm ki- it's a little busy. And he just goes upstairs and he finds Styles actually ha- hanging out in his bedroom, also trying to get away from all of the noise and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Styles is like, so what did that last text of yours mean? Are you trying to drive me crazy? And Derek was like, nope, I didn't send that. <laughs> Styles was like, yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, and he was like, you should know exactly what I meant. And then they talked a little bit more about the guy who was an asshole and sent it out. And it the guy basically thought Styles was cheating on him with Derek, right. or at least emotionally cheating on him with Derek, and decided that he was not only going to break up with him, but he was also going to steal from him <laughs> and, like, peace out. And Styles is like, I don't have very good taste in men, Derek. And Derek's like, okay. And Styles is like, well, except for you, I don't have very good taste in men. And then they have sex. <laughs> and then they have sex. <laughs> like, a, yeah, they have, like, very, like, it fades to black. They don't actually really show right. the sex, but they clearly just had sex. <laughs> that's what happened. So that's what you want to do after you've had 
Thanksgiving dinner, With right? With all of your friends downstairs. Yeah, exactly. I was like, They're playing guys, <laughs> this is not appropriate. I loved it. <sighs> so whatever. So they have sex, and it's a good time, and it's whatever. <laughs> uh, oh, they do show a little bit of it. They do talk about it a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. They recap kind of the end of it. Yeah, it's like all, it's the afterglow. Yeah, and so they do that, and then they go back downstairs, and um, one of their friends texts the or Lydia texts and is like, "Are you done fucking yet? Because we're still playing canasta, and Scott needs your help. <laughs> He's really bad at it." So they come back downstairs, and they're like, "Cool," um, and they sort of vignette through like, "Oh yeah, they've been having a lot of sex together, and mm. their relationship is blooming." And Derek is like realizing that he's really absurdly in love with Styles, and that's great, except Styles is leaving. Yeah. And that's a bummer. He's pining so much that Scott is like, just move to New York. Just be with him. <laughs> Please. You are deeply embarrassing. And he's <laughs> like, I can't do that. And then uh, in this conversation, Derek gets another text, and it's a dick pic from Styles. Um, and, you know, Scott leans over the phone to see, and he's like, my eyes, my eyes! <laughs> But Derek is like, wait, did you know that Styles was getting a job at Berkeley and moving back here? And Scott's like, I'm still traumatized from this photo. But yes, I did know that. So <laughs> Styles is moving back and it's great. And the last line is very silly where it's like, that's so nice. I'm happy for you, Scott said, hovering again. But I still don't understand why he had to attach it to a picture of his car. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Styles is moving back to California. Yay! And that's, that's the deal. Happy endings all yeah. around. It was very silly and sweet yeah and funny and whatever it was a pretty solid fanfic yay i really don't like teen wolf i know i know Aaron. but i can overlook that like that's thank okay you. um thank you this one didn't have all of the wolf dynamics and stuff in it which right is, i didn't I notice think what, that i yeah, made sure yeah. yeah that's the stuff that bothers me they occasionally mention things like wolf spain and stuff which i think is like a way that they get drunk or whatever yeah but it was fine i would give this like a solid 3.5 oh good it was enjoyable yay. it was a thanksgiving fic we love it they had a good time we had a good time it was all good. Yay! Yeah. If you are somebody who likes Teen Wolf and wants to read a Thanksgiving fanfic, then this is your jam. Like, this is it. Because it's really, yeah. It's Can I good. talk about, I I was, it was, uh, it was between this and there was another one that was just off the rails insane. Really? It was uh, X-Men, it was X-Men. Ah! Uh, and Eric and Charles. And I think the premise is that, and you I think this Eric is. Eric and James McAvoy. <laughs> no, that's not his character name. <laughs> so I think, I think this is a, uh, one of those, like, challenges that they put forth oh, and, like, a lot of yeah. people write these. So I think it's, like, a Craigslist ad where someone <gasps> posts, like, uh, and, like, in a leather jacket and, like, uh, hire me and I will come and, I like, wreck your things to me. Exactly. Because there's one with Darcy Lewis and Clint Barton. <laughs> <laughs> I almost sent that to you and then I was like, no, it's too much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so I was going to, I was about to send you that one, too, uh, yeah. where Eric is essentially, like, uh, a felon or whatnot. Yeah. And he was, and Charles just wants to like really piss off his step family. Oh. It went off the rails. It really? was insane. Like oh. Charles's stepbrother is like chasing them with a shotgun. Oh my his God. mother is trying to seduce Eric at one point. It was crazy. Yeah, no, the one with Darcy and Clint doesn't go that far. Darcy's family is just awful, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I want to like fuck shit up." And Clint is like, "All right, I'm here. Amazing. Like, I have a weird checkered past, and I could use some money, but I'm not actually a bad guy." Yeah, and Darcy's like, "Oh, you're." actually like really nice yep. <laughs> um and basically they both 
try to be as like flagrantly awful, awful as possible <laughs> to the parents, just to, like freak them out. And they're like, "Well, you know, I'm pregnant with his baby and all this kind of stuff." And it was like really funny, incredible. But it, they didn't go quite as crazy, but it's funny fair. that both of us saw the same. We had the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we could go crazy with this, but we're not going no, to. <laughs> it's gonna like we want we want warmth and yeah. sweet. And, I like, want apple pie. Exactly. We want a slice of pie. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. That was great. Incredible. Well done. Thank you. Well done, everybody. Likewise. All right. All right. What's next? Librarians! <laughs> the library! What's really funny is that looking for tags in a certain fandom <laughs> about the library <laughs> is hard. Because the library is a place in that other fandom. <laughs> Listeners, you can't see, but I have my head cradled in my hand. I tried so just shaking hard. my head. I tried so just hard. shaking my head. I tried so hard not to send you another magician's fic, and then last night I just had to call it and yeah. send it to you, and I felt so bad, and I was like, I failed so hard. We but tried. I did. I did send you another magician's fic. You did. Who was surprised by this? Oh, yeah, no one. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. This is who I am. No, it was wonderful. Good, I'm glad. Yeah. Should I was, we start with this, I guess? Let's we're, yeah, we're, we're here. Yeah. So, you sent me Friday Evenings at the Library with Quentin, written by Alfred von Krolock. <laughs> I hope that's a reference to someone. Me too. And not just in someone's brain. Alfred von Krolock, won't you write in? Please tell us. <laughs> Please tell us where your username came from. So, this is Archive of Our Own. It's The Magicians. It's Quelliot. Of course it is. Of course it is. The summary reads, uh, cold water. Cold water? Where's that from? Well, the librarian said, most people get their last names from their parents. No, I mean, where does it originate? He said with a grin. So it's a little excerpt. I, we've talked about excerpt summaries. Yep, we, we have. <laughs> <laughs> I love, and the author's note, it would it really be a magician's fanfic if it didn't reference the finale in some sort of way? <laughs> basically everything it's just like everything. this is my fix it <laughs> yeah the notes like many others i'm destroyed by the finale but instead of a fix it fic i'm gonna write a bunch of au's and stuff because i need some fluff and happiness in my life with these two and honestly i i dig that i think this is the first is this the first not um no powers or no magic no the origin, the first one that i sent you with the letters back and forth oh uh, that's right that's right yeah I, yeah but I didn't know them. Then. But it's been quite a while since I sent that to you. I have you. since then known them. Right. Known the characters, known the universe. I've explained have it to you. my heart four ripped times. out of my chest, <laughs> like uh, ground in a little mortar and pestle, and then fed back into my body. Yike. Yes. That I is have, a vivid image. I have strong feelings about this. Clearly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and also, this is the shortest fic you've ever sent me. Uh-huh. This, like, interesting that they're both on the same episode. Can you tell that I was, like, uh, Very stressed? <laughs> yeah. I tried really hard to find you a librarian. I get it. I get and it. And eventually I was just like, I just gotta pick this one. So, the, it starts, uh, so Quentin is the librarian in this scenario. And not a librarian in the show sense of the word, friends. A true librarian. I don't know what that is, but it's we're not right. going to unpack that. You don't even need to know. Good. It's a whole I'm other glad. subplot that you don't need to know about. What, they mentioned the mosaic. What is that again? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll fucking you kill imagine? you. <laughs> Let's just take a shot every time I forget the mosaic time frame. <laughs> well, I'll be drunk. <laughs> yeah. So it starts on a Friday evening, and every the library's pretty slow. There's not really a ton of people. There's one person in the back who comes and studies and puts, like, earphones in to not hear anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this very attractive man uh, comes up to the circulation desk. And then they have that cute interaction where it's like, excuse me, Mr. Um, and then Quentin's like, cold water. And then the, the thing yeah. I just read to you. Yeah. So flirting from the get go. Mm-hmm. So then this child runs out from behind one of the shelves. Uh, and he's asking Elliot, oh, did you, did you find it yet? <laughs> and Elliot's like, oh, I haven't asked because he's been flirting with Quentin. Yeah. Too busy. Yep. <laughs> Priorities. Yep. So then this child is like, oh, okay. I guess I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you I have do the Percy everything. Jackson series? <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah, and Quentin's like, uh, yeah, of course, they're back there. Uh, he writes down, like, the Dewey Decimal uh, System notation for it. Like the and, call number and stuff. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. And kid, like, runs off, doesn't need help finding them. Um, turns out it's Margot's child. Yeah, which, which I was, I was like, like, huh. Wow. Same. Okay, yeah. cool. I just kind of let that roll. I actually read Margot as aromantic, and I think a lot of people in the fandom read Margot as aromantic. That is not something that is ever going to be canon or probably intentional. So reading this idea of, like, Margot's kid or something like that was a little out of left field for me, but it's not impossible. Um, But it was a moment of, like, huh? I'm I'm glad because on, like, a base level, something about it, I was like, oh. Yeah. Like, it it shook me a little. I was like, what? Oh, okay. It's interesting because I actually headcanon Margot as aromantic and in some cases Alice as asexual. Oh. Which is really interesting and we can go into that at a later date. But just so you know, like, yes, I also had that sort of moment of like, wait Should a minute. Should we at this point just start a second podcast for the magicians? <sighs> the magicians. I mean, maybe. No, absolutely We not. don't have to do, like, we don't have to get into it. But basically, yes, I also had the same moment of like, hey, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> so then Quentin asks Elliot, like, oh, Percy Jackson, did he pick that one by himself? And Elliot says, oh, no, uh... Like, I was doing, I was taking a myth class a year ago, and he really liked the Greek unit, so I got this, like, I got him the first one for his birthday, and now he really wants wants to read the rest. And Quentin was like, oh, well, we've got all of them in stock right now, so he can just, like, check them all out today. And Elliot's like, oh, well, that's kind of, there's kind of an issue, I don't have a library card. And Quentin's like, oh, well, okay, do you have any mailing so I can get one for you? And he's like, oh, yeah, here, I've got a, a letter from my school, and he gives him that, and, <laughs> and then they have the moment where he's like, thank you, Mr. Wall? Wah? Which I relate to because <laughs> every now and then I'm like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Thank you. So he's like, oh, I've got your name and address, and now I just need your number. And Elliot like, get, like writes it on a sticky note, and he's like, here you go. And then the kid comes back with the book, and he's like, I got him. <laughs> and and he slaps his library card on the on the counter, and he's like, here you go. And Quentin's like, I thought you said you didn't have one. And it's like, I did say that, didn't I? Uh, and then Quentin's like, would, would you like the sticky note with your number back, or do you want me to? And Elliot says, use it. <laughs> what? You have my number now. Use it. And then, like, smiles charmingly and walks off. And it's adorable. Isn't it? It's so cute. I said this to you, and I was like, this is the smoothest shit I've ever read. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. Love it. It made me so happy. <laughs> I was like, that was so smooth, Elliot. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, like, I wish... I want to see where this would go. Yeah. Because I think it's actually really great, but it's kind of just, like, a one-shot thing. Yeah, it's very very much written as, like, a little vignette, like a... Yeah. Here's a little moment. 
We get a, a glimpse into this universe. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Good. It was good. It was nice to read a, a Qualia fanfic that didn't destroy me in one way or another. You're and welcome. it was just like, you know, no mention of any other reference. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, sure, Margo was a reference, but that's fine. Yeah. Like, that's all, all I had to know. In some ways, this could have been anybody. Exactly. And I kind of loved that. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, I have to stop breaking Alan. How kind of you. <laughs> I really have to. Can we talk about the additional tags? Alternate universe, not magical. The library, AU, no one asked for. No, not that library. <laughs> Might continue. One shot. Maybe freeform. Fluff? <laughs> Question mark? Would this be fluff airing? Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah? I think it's fluff. That's fluffy. It's super fluffy. I think it's very, like... It's almost like lead up to fluff in a weird way. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. It's like not quite the fluff part of it. Well, can you, can it be fluffy if they haven't established, like, a relationship yet? I think so. Because this is just, like, sweet little... Okay, yeah, I see that. You know, like, I don't think fluff has to come from necessarily, like, the relationship itself. I think it can also be circumstantial. Mm. So this is just very kind of, like... But it's very flirty. Yeah. Can flirty flirty be be fluffy? I think so. Nice. When it's... I think the distinction there is that the flirting is very romantic in a weird Uh. way and not, like... It's not like, ooh, I want to get with you. It's like, oh, I kind of want to, like... I want to get with I you. I want to be... No, it's like, I want to, like, take you on a date or something. Like, it's, uh, it's more sort of sweet, and it's not... Okay, okay you know that's what, what I mean. it is. Yeah, it's sweet, and yeah. not, like, lecherous. Right. That wasn't the word I was going to go with. <laughs> that's the one that came to my head. It's the difference between meeting someone at the library and meeting someone at the bar. Mm. You know? Where it's, like, a little bit... That's why I take a book to the bar. <laughs> So why you're single? <laughs> oh, yikes! It's, I'm also you're single. You're so mean to me. Yes, you're asexual. No, I apologize <laughs> for the thing that I just said that was really mean. No, that's okay. It was a good burn. <laughs> High five. I felt it happening, and I was like, I have to say this now that I've thought it, but it's kind of mean. It's amazing. I loved it. <laughs> okay, Whew. what would you rate Friday evenings at the library with Quentin? I would say a three point four. Okay. Yeah. yeah like, it was solid. good. It hit, like, it scratched the little librarian edge. Yeah. I wish it was longer. Even though I said I just loved the fact that it was not, like, angsty or, like, it didn't hurt at all. I do wish that it was a little more dependent on who they were as characters and that it wasn't yeah. just, like, we can plug anyone. Like, Derek sure. and Styles and Harry and Draco. Yeah. Because yeah. it truly could have been anybody. Yeah. But it could be, like, OCs that you don't know, like, anything about and it would probably be just the same. This is a good launching point. I... Uh, I hurt so much, Aaron, because I think my favorite story I've ever read online is called The Library, and it has a librarian in it. It's original, though. It's original fiction. And so I was so desperately hoping that I would find a fan fiction equivalent of it. Sorry, buddy. Boy, did I not. (laughs) You can still send me it. I'll still read it. I will at some point. It, like, it destroys me every time. I had the hardest time. People, yeah. you all need to start tagging your fix correctly. Right. Like, I I live off of the search function. So if you didn't tag your library fic as an alternate universe library or librarians, I was not going to find it. Oh. I went through, like, every which variation I could think of on Archive of Run, like, library, uh, librarians, lowercase library, library, like, just a shit ton of things. And I just kept reading the same fan fictions over and over. There was this one that I was really promising. It was a One Direction fan it was so long oh my god and also there's like a strange obsession with people i want to know if it's please write in let me know is there an obsession in the fan fiction community for uh fan for, like in library AU specifically for one of them to be like a children's librarian 
Oh, I think so. Because there's so many of now them. Now that you say that, you're not like, yeah. There were so many of them like, oh, Harry Styles is a child librarian. Like a children's librarian. <laughs> He's a 12-year-old librarian. Someone write this fake. I would love it. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, but it's so, yeah. there's so many of those. And I read a really long one that was One Direction. It was Harry Styles. And he was working in, like, the children's section of a New York public library. I wonder if it's because, for most of us, the primary librarians that we ever interacted with were as children. Oh. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like a character that you're like, yeah, you're pretty warm and inviting and like whatever. That's a good thought. You know? Yeah. Because I am antisocial, so I didn't talk to anyone in the library. Fair. But I also went until I keep going to libraries. Oh. I wanted to be a person who went to libraries. Mm. I am not a person who goes to libraries. Well, we gave it a shot. We did. <laughs> I, I don't know. I always wanted to be a book person and I'm not a book person. Like oh, I always... You know what I mean? And like... I used to read a lot as a kid and was mm-hmm. really into reading, like, to the point where I used to get in trouble for reading in class. Same. And then I kind of went to high school and college and it mm. just beat it out of me because you have to read you stuff to read that you lot, don't yeah. want to do. And then I just never really picked it back up. I go through phases where, like, I even, like, read, 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 book, 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 book. And yeah. then, like, I, I can't. I can't yeah. read another book. I'm like, I... It's So my morning commute is, like, I have a cycle of things. So it's, mm. like, either I'm sleeping on the Metro, and then when, once that phase is done, I'm listening to podcasts on the Metro. And once mm. that phase is done, I'm reading a book on the Metro. And once that phase is done, I'm sleeping on the Metro. Ah, so that's the cycle. <laughs> yeah, I think we're in the book reading se- session currently. Nice. Um, yeah, so I was reading this fan fiction, this One Direction fan fiction, and it was, like, really long. And it was cool, and it was, like, really well-developed and executed. Holy shit, was the dialogue awful. Oh, no! It was awful i was like oh no and but it was like it was so well developed i was like oh maybe like maybe i'll i'll send it and we we can plow through it but then like their relationship kind of developed not organically like it was Mm -hmm. very much like oh they're just like they find each other hot kiss 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 and i was like broke my heart um and that was a problem i had with a lot of library AUs. Mm. i had the hardest time there was like a lot of really well developed world and great like Mm -hmm. characterization and then they opened their big fat mouths and it was awful yeah i also think dialogue is the hardest thing to write well that's so interesting because i feel like i can only write dialogue interesting everything else i can't i think it's harder to get the voice of somebody correct Mm -hmm. than it is to get prose right that's a lot of the time or at least that has been my experience and i think a lot of the time when i read fanfic where it falls apart for me is dialogue which we've talked about before um so it's interesting that you have the opposite problem when you're writing Mm -hmm. but yeah also i didn't know you write you know, every now and then I dabble. Oh my god! I'm gonna. I'm gonna I might have already. I, I might have. I might have already told you this, but I'm gonna spoil this because I can't wait. So, Aaron, here's my plan: is one day I'm going to send you a fic that I've written <gasps> under a nom de plume, and I'm not gonna tell you it's <laughs> until after you've rated it. I mean, though. I know. I love it. <laughs> I can't, listeners. I can't wait for the drama. <laughs> this will start. It's going to be like after you're like I give it. I I, I don't want to rate it, and then I'll be like. That was my fic. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I'm already terrified. Oh no! It's gonna be amazing. Our whole friendship is terrified of this. <laughs> no, it's gonna be amazing. I Wait, love it. How much fanfic have you written? Oh, you know, I, not a ton. Just a few fics. Like, and there's usually one shots. I I had like a really long one mm-hmm. that work that is just stuck in work in progress. Oh yeah, for forever. It took me five years to finish one, which was a lot. It's and hard. It's not good. <laughs> 
Let's send it to each other. No. Let's do it. No. <laughs> I'm not going to send you my teenage Panic at the Disco fan fiction. Nothing would make me happier. No. <laughs> You're not getting it. That is deep on a hard drive Boo. somewhere. Send the Newsies one. Oh, yeah, I could. Send that, the Newsies That one. doesn't qualify because it's technically original fiction. Because <laughs> I technically changed the name. <gasps> I didn't know that. I love I wrote it, it as a quote-unquote novel. So I changed the name. Oh, adorable. But they are de- definitely rip-offs <laughs> of the Newsies characters. And that was before I had the internet, so I didn't know what fanfiction was. Oh, interesting. I did it organically. Yeah. <gasps> organically a fanfiction person. It's, well, yeah, it was just like a thing that I wrote, and I was like so in- I was so into That's the Newsies incredible. universe that I wrote my own like female OC Kinda and like you. story or whatever. And then I was like, this is great! And then I got the internet and I never wrote again. No, that's not true. I wrote some stuff. I wrote an interesting Criminal Minds fanfic at one Ooh. point that, like, was actually good. It needs some editing. I, like, I in a much better ending. Do you want me to be your beta? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said that way too quickly. That's okay. Um. Yeah, it was an interesting premise that I'm, like, going back. I'm like, actually, that had some weight, but mm-hmm. I never finished it, so. That's fair. Yeah, I'd never finished any fanfic. <laughs> and then I used to write, like, MCR one-shots and stuff. I love it. Oh my god, my Incredible. emo phase is real. And also, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer are going on tour next summer, and I'm like losing my little emo mind. <laughs> Together? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, they're coming to Nats Park. They're doing like a stadium <gasps> tour. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, that's a thing that's happening. Anyway, oh. it has nothing to do with the I know. fic you sent me. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but wait, oh, sorry, really quick. Notice these additional tags, Hogwarts. And that's it. That's all the additional tags. So how did you? How did I find this googling? I had to Google. Oh my God! You're right. Yeah. Yike. This is, he sent me Harry Potter fanfic. Oh yeah, sorry. Stepping back about eight steps. <laughs> um, the fic that Alan sent me is called "The Mystery of the Dead Man's Curse" by Asterdanced seventy seven. A star danced. A start. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. A star danced 77. I'm going to leave that in because it's fun. Uh, the summary is an unsolved mystery, an ancient curse, and a new librarian. Harry is back at Hogwarts where strange things are afoot! Exclamation point. Featured books, Gadding with Ghouls, and other titles of the unforgettable Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> which is great. I love it. There was a cover. There's a, um, it starts with a fake cover of Gadding with Ghouls, cover designed by Dyson Rules. <laughs> It was presumably also on AO3, and it's mm-hmm. quite funny. Um, so, as mentioned, this is Harry Potter fanfic. I want to start. I loved this fanfic. Yes! I thought it was delightful. You're right that it's not actually tagged librarian fanfic, librarian AU. Yeah. But it's great. So, it starts in Auror Potter's office. <laughs> and um, Harry has been in Auror for several years at this point. They've, like, graduated, and, like, or Hogwarts is over. Like, that. it's past the point of, mm-hmm. like, Hogwarts and all that kind of stuff. And Harry is, like, deep in paperwork and bureaucracy, and he's, like, elbows deep in it, and it's just like, my calendar is blocked up for two weeks. Do not speak to me. And then Nora shows up and is like, I'm, I'm, I'm Aura Potter. And he's like, shush, leave me alone. I got paperwork to do. And she's like, Professor McGonagall is here to see you. And he went, I'm going. <laughs> um, and so he, like, runs to go see Professor McGonagall at the other side of the ministry in the interrogation room that Nora has very stupidly put her in, um, which is fine. You know, she and, deals. Yeah, she, he, Harry runs across the ministry <laughs> building to go fix this problem and go say hi because you do not make Professor McGonagall wait. No. At this now point, Headmistress McGonagall. Yes! And McGonagall is sitting there very primly and is like, hello, Potter. <laughs> and Harry's like, Professor, I'm so sorry. Like, what do you... Uh, he's very flustered. 
And uh, McGonagall is like, I'm in a position that is regrettably familiar. I am in search of a defense against the dark arts teacher. And Harry's like, but I thought the curse was broken when Voldemort died. And uh, Professor McGonagall is like, yeah, we all kind of thought so. <laughs> Can I continue to tell you this story, please? And Harry's like, yep, mm-hmm, sure, I have been cowed by this. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. And McGonagall's like, well, we thought the curse had been broken, but it hasn't. Our last three Defense Against the Dark Art teasers have left after a year for various reasons. Um, we've had a dearth of qualified teachers, uh, and frankly, we don't have a lot of money to offer long-term prospective employees. So I'm not surprised you weren't aware, given how busy you are, and that probably Hogwarts is not a place that you want to, like, revisit in your Mm -hmm. memory, given when you last were there. But, um, we, you know, we've lost our three, and, um, to very weird (laughs) things. Uh, the first one was uh, forced to leave due to the ill health of an elderly relative. The second one had an unfortunate incident with a bludger. And then the last resignation was so odd that she was like, there's something weird here. And Harry's like, so what happened? And he was like, and Professor McGonagall's like, pregnancy. And Harry's like, oh yeah, I guess so. Like, that would be something. Yeah. Doesn't really get it. And McGonagall goes, Professor Macaulay was a man. <laughs> and Harry's like, is that normal in the wizarding world? Is that just something I don't get? And McGonagall's like, nah. It is not. <laughs> it is not. So Harry's like, well, I can put you in touch with some curse breakers. Like, what do you want me to do? And McGonagall's like, no, I need you. Like, I'm here to ask if you will teach for the year. Yeah. And Harry's like, I'm very flattered, but also very underqualified. <laughs> are you sure there's no one else in the world that can do this? And McGonagall's like, um, are you saying that you have insufficient experience with the Dark Arts to teach some children how to, like, throw a protective spell. And Harry's like, no, but, like, I've only been an Aura for five years and, like, whatever. I'm only 26. And McGonagall is like, I'm aware of that, Mr. Potter. I met you a few days after you were born. <laughs> um, which is very funny. And then Harry's like, well, I also don't have any experience teaching. And McGonagall is like, well, I will have you remember that the like almost all of Dumbledore's army passed their defense against the dark arts OWLs and basically no one else in your year did. You are clearly a good teacher and I need you. That's the deal. Yeah. Um and you have really good investigation skills. And Harry's like, okay. Uh and McGonagall's like, Hogwarts needs you. And that's kind of what gets Harry on board. Yeah. Which is fun. Because he's a hero. He has a hero complex. He does have a hero complex. And he's also, like, Hogwarts will always call him home. Like, that's kind of where that is. Like, that's very in character. So he goes, to like, back to hang out with um, Ron and Hermione and their daughter, Rose. And they're kind of talking through the day. And it's like, well, what did McGonagall want? And Harry's like, well, she wants me to teach. She wants me to, like... You know, she wants me to go teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. And Hermione's a little like, I'm sure you can, but like, what? Is that a good idea? Like, aren't you a little young? Like, uh. And Harry's like, I don't think I can say no. <laughs> which is fair. Um, it's super last minute, which is crazy. And then right, it's like two weeks. Ron is like, don't you even think of handing all of your work over to me? Because Ron is also an Auror. And. Harry's like, I don't really have a choice. I'm just gonna like up and leave in, in two weeks. And uh, Harry's like, oh, I'll give it to Neville. It'll be fine. And that's how you find out Neville is also an Auror. Mm-hmm. But Hermione's like, no, <laughs> you're not gonna give it to Neville. 
And Harry's like, why? And Hermione's like, do you never talk to Neville outside of work? And Harry's like, uh, no, actually, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and Hermione's like, you can't give it to Neville. And they're like, okay, that's weird, but sure. Oh, and Hermione also brings up, are you worried that it might hurt your career as an auror? Mm. Because you are being groomed for deputy head auror. And Harry's like, how do you know that? <laughs> I haven't really talked to you about this. And you haven't been to the ministry since March. And Hermione's like, oh, I had lunch with Hannah Abbott. <laughs> and it's like, Hannah's dating Neville. And they're together. And, like, she works at the Leaky Cauldron. And it's, like, very... And Harry's, like, kind of dumb about it. And it's like, how does Hannah know? <laughs> how would a pub owner yeah. hear the ministry gossip? And then Naran goes, I think you've answered your own question there, mate. <laughs> Which, bless. I will say one thing about this fic that I think bears saying straight up is that mm. I felt like they were all pretty out of character. Yes. Ron is way more like smooth mm-hmm, and exactly. kind of like even keel and like with it than he ever is really. Mm-hmm. Not that Ron is not a smart character, but that he's never been particular. His strength is actually in social dynamics and things like that. Right. Not necessarily in been- being particularly like intuitive or Insightful, cunning or anything yeah. like that. He's usually a little bit of like a blunt axe. Exactly. <laughs> um, Hermione is very like, uh, she's very sort of yielding in a lot of ways and like in the sense where she's very much like raising her daughter and she's in women's groups and she's just kind of like doing her thing yeah and i was like i'm surprised that hermione's not working in this fic oh yeah i'm surprised that she would be contented that way it's sort of a she's living somewhat of a passive version of her life i don't think it's a bad thing but i think it's very different for her and she also doesn't she doesn't come on she usually has stronger opinions about things she usually tells harry what to do a lot more yeah and she doesn't in this she very much lets him figure it out on his own which is very different harry is also very reasonable in a way that harry tends not to be true yeah so, from the start, in the way that they're sort of talking about this at the yeah. beginning, I'm like, either this author is presuming that you have grown up significantly in five years and changed pretty fundamentally from mm-hmm. that growth, or it's just out of character. Yeah. And that is what it is. It didn't take me out of it, but I was like, Ron being reasonable? Particularly Ron. Right. But also Harry being so thoughtful and, like, thinking before he does things? Right. I'm confused. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So anyway, they basically are like, well, I guess you're going. <laughs> yeah, bye. Yeah. And so it explains that, you know, Ron, Harry, and Neville had all joined the R group after Voldemort had been defeated. And they were sort of the next, they were supposed to be the next generation of defenders of the wizarding world. But mm-hmm. it wasn't really what Harry thought it was going to be. So he's a little discontent with it. And he doesn't like that it feels like you're always catching the person after they've done something terrible. Yeah, it's like cleanup. Yeah. And I was like... There was a piece of me that was like, are you going to go, like, weird vigilante? Like, this is a little odd. But he didn't actually mean it that way. What he meant was he wanted... The Aurors felt so far removed from the communities they served Mm -hmm. that you couldn't tell when somebody was, like, blossoming into a threat until it was too late. Exactly. Where if you had somebody who knew what was going on in a community and was connected and all those sorts of things, you might be able to see a pattern before it gets to be too late. Mm -hmm. So that's what he's kind of discontent with, is that he was like, I don't want there to be another Voldemort. I want want to catch Voldemort before, like, when he's doing the small stuff. While he's still Tom Riddle. Right. And that's, you know, that's not what we're doing here. Exactly. So he doesn't really know how Hogwarts is going to fit into that, but he knows, he kind of takes the opportunity to get away from it for a little bit. So he basically says yes, and it's cool, and it's a whole thing. 
he talks to Neville, and come to find out, Professor Sprout is retiring from Hogwarts, mm-hmm. so Neville is going to go teach at Hogwarts, too. We love too. Herbology Professor Neville. Oh, I love that. He needs to do that oh, so 100%. much. And um, that's the first time that they have a real conversation outside of work for the yeah. first time. And Neville's like, yeah, I've been really discontent. I don't really want to do this. And Harry's like, what? <laughs> Which was another thing of, like, I think Neville's also very out of character. Mm-hmm. He, he seems so, like, confident and comfortable with yeah. himself. Yeah. In a way that I don't know that Neville ever would be. Yeah. I do feel like of the out-of-character-ness of them all, Neville's felt less distant from where he ends mm. up at the end of the series. Because I think Neville has the biggest growth arc sure. through the series. He starts as that very terrified kid who is still determined to do the right thing no matter what. And he ends up slaying the fucking snake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he goes for it. And I would agree that that tends to be you know, a, a more, he's a more timid kind of strength yeah. and bravery. But I think that one, I was like, I could see Neville settling into himself sure. like this more than I could see the other three settling into themselves like this okay. based on who they are at their core. I get that. So Neville was the least sort of out of character for me, but I also really wanted Neville to get with Luna in the series and that didn't happen. So I'm <laughs> It's fine. JK Rowling, really fight me. <laughs> Fight me about a lot of stuff, but... (laughs) Is that the molehill you want to die on? No, I don't have time for that. So they realize that Neville is going to Hogwarts, Hannah's staying in London, which is like a thing. Yeah. And Harry's going to Scotland, and Ron and Hermione are staying in London, and that's a whole thing. So they go, and then there's, uh, you know, some beginning of school year, like, staff meetings. Which I love. Which is hilarious. Um, So they, you know, Harry moves back to Hogwarts into some quarters, and he has a thing. He has to sign his contract, Mm -hmm. which is really funny. And then... That's the whole thing, too, because he's been taught, like, he has to read the whole thing because of of an R, and he's like... Give me a moment. I just yeah. got to make sure I read through all of those. Yeah, and he gets halfway through it, and then he's like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> like, I trust McGonagall. That was the most in-character thing in this yeah. whole fic. I was like, yeah, you get halfway through it, and then you're like, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so he signs it, and it's cool. He send- goes off on his way. And then he goes and settles in, and then there's um, basically like a drinks before, like yeah. dinner kind of thing for the staff. And he goes and sees Hagrid, who's still oh, there. Yeah. And Madame Pomfrey, who's like way nicer to him. <laughs> and like... He goes and he sees some of the, like, teachers that he grew up with and then also some new people and he's mm-hmm. introduced to people. And then, uh, oh, and Slughorn is there. Oh, yeah. From across the room, he sees Draco Malfoy. <gasps> dun, and, dun, dun! And then uh, he's talking to Neville. And then he walks over and Harry is like, oh, my God. And he, like, he starts Neville to Neville and McGonagall are talking to Draco and Harry walks over and is like, headmistress, Neville. And Draco's like, welcome to Hogwarts, Professor Potter. <laughs> and that is how you learn that Draco Malfoy is at Hogwarts. Yeah. Wow. Also deeply out of character. Much wow. Much wow. Very wow. <laughs> um, so it's cool. So they do the sorting feast and that's a whole thing. They kind of actually gloss over a lot of the stuff that we would recognize as like the student experience of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. I think in a smart way because the author recognizes that they don't need to rehash it. Yeah. Because we like know what the Sorting Feast is. Yeah. All us nerds. That's true. We know. We don't need to be told. Um, so he goes and then so the Sorting Feast is over and Harry's looking at Draco the whole time and like is not being settled about it. Mm-hmm. And so 
like, Harry marches over to Neville's quarters after the feast is over, and he's like, oh my god. And Neville's like, would you like some tea? And Harry's like, why did you not tell me that Draco was gonna be here? (laughs) Uh, Why are you on a first name basis with Draco Malfoy? He beat the shit out of you when you were kids and, like, terrorized you. Um, And Neville reveals that actually, like, Draco had apologized to him, like, Mm -hmm. out of nowhere, basically sent him a letter of apology, and originally Neville had basically thrown it in the garbage, and then Draco sent another one, and was like, did you get my letter of apology? (laughs) For my last letter of apology. Yeah, I'm very sorry. Please, just, I just need to know that you got it. And then Neville responded back and was like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Or not, it's fine, but like, yeah, I got it. Leave me alone. And then Draco sort of, like, started just corresponding back and forth very friendly with him, and, like, sent him a couple books, and some, like, particularly some muggle books that he likes, and, um... You know, it it was, you know, they became kind of friends in this weird way. Yeah. And Harry's like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? What is this? Yeah. And then Neville's like, well, why didn't you tell, like, or Harry's like, why didn't you tell me this? And I was like, because I didn't want you to do this. I didn't want you to freak out. Like, you are clearly freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) You dumbass. Amazing. So Harry, so he's like, would you... Would you give him a chance just to show you that he's not the spoiled little brat that we knew growing up? You don't have to like him, but give him a chance, because you never know what could come of it. Yeah. And Harry's like, fine. How did he become a librarian, though? <laughs> I have questions. And Neville's like, you'll have to talk to him about it. They sort of end the night, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, skip ahead a little bit, and all the fourth-year girls keep basically harassing Harry and being like, he's so cute! And Harry keeps having to dodge all these, like, fourth-year crushes, and he's just like, oh my god. And Neville is like, it's like sixth year all over again! (laughs) (laughs) And Harry's like, I hate all of this! Would y'all leave me alone? This is bad. Can't relate. Yeah, no, I can't. (laughs) He ends up going to the Leaky Cauldron, and, like, hanging, everybody's in town and sort of hanging out together. Uh, Dean Thomas is snuggled up with Ginny Weasley. Of course. And that's where you kind of start to learn that Ginny and Harry are not together. And, like, cause it's not clear up until then, but she's noticeably absent up until this point. And then yeah. you're like, oh, okay, there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so it's for... It's a birthday party I think it's, it's Hermione's birthday. It's Hermione's birthday. And Harry shows up and... You know, uh, brings her gadding with ghouls, which is a Lockhart book that autographed. he autographed that he found in his chambers. <laughs> he was like, I don't know how to survive the battle and the cleanup, but I have a whole bunch of them. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. So uh, they end up at the bar and they're having a good time. They're just chatting and catching up and having whatever, um, making fun of each other as yep. friends do. And then it comes up, Ron is like, so how's how's it working out with Malfoy? Like, that was an experience. And that was the moment where I was like, where's Ron Weasley? What have you done with yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, Ron hates Draco. Exactly. Absolutely hates him and would mm-hmm. never be okay with him. Because that was predating the yeah, Hogwarts stuff. Exactly. Um, And, yeah. So he just is like kind of, they're just like talking about it. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think I've said a, more than a couple words to him this whole time. Like, we just kind of like hover around each other and pretend to socialize. And then um, Hermione starts to defend Draco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bitch, you punched him in the face. <laughs> what is this? I'm confused. It was very weird. I was like, okay. And then they uh, like they just keep talking about how weird it is that Malfoy works there and is a librarian. And they're like, well, I guess, I guess he works there and it's fine. And, you know, like, uh, but all the girls in school like him too. And it's really funny and whatever. And then eventually... Uh, they get to sort of talking about how, like, the portrait of Lockhart keeps flirting with Malfoy, and as does the ghost of Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. And Hermione is like, mm, 
Lockhart would have better luck than mm-hmm. Moaning Myrtle. And everyone's like, huh? And then George goes, Hermione thinks Draco Malfoy is gay. <laughs> and Harry's like, what? And it's like a whole thing. And they have this whole conversation about whether or not Draco is gay. And I was like, this is kind of a weird, it's a kind of a weird moment in the fic for me where yeah. it was just a little, it's, it was an, intro, it was a way of introducing this concept, but it felt very artificial hmm. in a weird way where I was like, I don't know that these characters would be this positive and like jovial about this conversation. Like, uh, that's it, fair. How much work did Draco put into mending relationships with people? Like, I didn't, I didn't buy it right off the bat. Sure. But it, gave, it gives you a lot of helpful information, which is not only that most people, except for Harry, believe that Draco Malfoy is gay, which turns out to be true. Spoiler alert. But also Harry Potter is gay. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and is no longer with Ginny, because Ginny was like, you are gay. And he was like, you right. <laughs> and then they broke up. And then Dean Thomas was like, thanks for that, buddy. <laughs> and that's what happened. Um, <laughs> that's what you missed on Glee. Yeah, really. Um, and then, like... They have to explain gaydar to people yeah. because they're like, whatever. Because no one knows what a radar is. Nope. And it's a whole thing. And then they kind of move on. Like, the the conversation moves around. But it plants the idea in Harry's mind that Draco is gay. Mm-hmm. Which is very exciting. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. So skip ahead a little bit. Um, it's also revealed, sort of, Harry stays overnight. And then the next day... Uh, at Ron and Hermione's. At Ron and Hermione's. Well, it's just sort of like an yes. offhanded comment of like... Oh, how'd you sleep? And he's like, like a log. I really needed it. And you're like, okay. That sets up a pattern for later, which we can talk about later. Um, Ron starts baking. I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, oh, you don't see Ron as a baker? <laughs> he does not have the patience to be a no. baker. No. Um, so Harry and Hermione over tea are talking about whatever. And, uh, you know, Harry, Hermione's like, well... Why don't you go talk to Draco? Like, what is holding you back from talking to Draco? And Harry's like, uh, I'm keeping the peace. It's fine. And Hermione's like, you're ignoring him and hoping he'll go away. And Harry's like, well, last time I saw him, he was being sentenced to two years of house arrest along with his mother. (laughs) And my testimony put him there. So, like, how do you want me to broach that? Tell me. Because I don't know. Hermione's like, is that all? It's just small talk issue? That's fixable. And Harry's like, I'm going to fucking murder you. Um, and he's like, well, it's weird. It's a weird place to be. And that's kind of valid. So they have a whole conversation about, like, Hermione having made some amends with some Slytherins from mm-hmm. through, like, his, her women's groups and stuff like that. And knowing that Malfoy had been dealt some pretty shit cards right. and was struggling with them and that he had been trying to actively make amends with people Including her. He Including sent her. her. A letter. He also sent her a letter and that she was like, maybe it's worth, you know, trying to like recognize that people can grow and change and like give him a shot, yeah. which is exactly what Neville said, but in a slightly more, you know, sort of a straightforward way in a way that I think Harry hears a little bit more, particularly right. from Hermione. Hermione. And Harry's like, do you know why he's a librarian? And Hermione's like, no, it's driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, why you need to talk to him. Yeah. So finally, Hermione says, just stop searching for scapegoats to punish because you can't punish Voldemort. Which is, that's a friend moment yeah. of like, ouch, true. Yeah. And Harry's just like, I hate it when you're reasonable because you're right. So, you know, Hermione's like, just give it a shot. There has to be something there. Professor McGonagall gave him the job. Yeah. And, you know, just give him a chance. So he goes back to Hogwarts and Harry, as he's at the castle, 
has a really hard time falling asleep and he has insomnia. So he starts reading that stupid gadding with ghouls book um, from Lockhart. And he has these really awful nightmares and he wakes up and he's just like absolutely thrown and he's like, okay, well, maybe I should go get another Lockhart book because that one put me to sleep. Yeah. And I'll go get other ones. So he goes to the library pretty late at night and finds the Lockhart books in fiction. Bless Draco. (laughs) And Draco is there. And is like, um, can I help you? Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. And Harry's like, sorry, I couldn't sleep. And I came looking for something stupid to read. And uh, Draco's like, oh, do you want some help? And he's like, nope, I'm good. Um, and Draco's like, actually, I recommend Holidays with Hags. It's really <laughs> great. And sends him kind of off on his way. Um, and they have this, re- it's a really just sort of like companionable, quiet little moment together. Mm-hmm. Um. But Harry goes back the next day and was like, I brought the book that I took out in so you can check it out properly. And Malfoy's like, it's fine. A note would have been cool. Yeah. You don't have to do this. And Harry's like, well, I forgot. I thought you might need it. Something. It's like kind of this awkward, like, trying to get a conversation starting, but yeah. it's not working. And then, um, you know, again, they're starting to build up this conversation or whatever. Harry asks, how did you know that I was in the library? Yes. So Harry asks, how did you know I was in the library? And Malfoy's like, oh, I put a detection spell on the door because sometimes the children try to sneak into the library like you did with Granger. <laughs> wink, wink. But you had Hermione to keep you from the really dangerous stuff. And right. these children are dumb. Yeah. They do not have the smartest witch. <laughs> no. So, you know, it's kind of the first moment that Harry realizes that Malfoy is like actually kind of got something going here and yeah. like actually pretty good at his job. So... Scooting on ahead, um, Harry continues to have insomnia. Uh, and he gets, uh, so Ron and Hermione are supposed to come to the castle to help uh, mm-hmm. try to looking for the curse. Because yeah. that's still why he's here. Like he's right. His assignment is like, yeah, I'm here to teach for the year, but I'm really still like an aura looking to, for this curse and how to break it. So right. Ron comes with his brother Bill because uh, Rose is sick and Hermione had to stay home. Which right. is one of those other things where I think, like, I don't know that she would have, but who knows. Right. And Bill is also a curse breaker, or like in Bill Egypt, is, yeah. yeah, in Egypt, and he generally has some knowledge about these things. So Ron's like, ah, he's helpful too. But they don't find anything. Mm-hmm. They start realizing that they need to ask for some research help. Mm-hmm. And who do you go to for help in research? Google. Librarians. Oh. <laughs> Yike. <laughs> Incorrect. This is a librarian AU. I'm sure a librarian would also Google. <laughs> yeah. Well, they go to Malfoy. Harry goes to Malfoy. Yes. Because. He finally kind of realizes that he needs more information than he can acquire on his own. Malfoy knows the library. He is going to be able to help them in a way that he just needs. Mm-hmm. So he asks him for his help. And um, he, so they have a conversation where Harry's like, well, I need a little bit of help uh, shedding some light on some stuff. And Draco's like, oh, the curse. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry's like, how do you know about that? And Draco's like, mom, McGonagall told me that that's probably why you're going to be here. Um which is also how Harry realized that Draco knew Harry was going to be there before Harry knew that Draco was there. Yep. And he was, like, real better about it. And Harry kind of stumbles his way through talking about, well, we thought the course was left by Voldemort. And and then Draco's like, so you want me to tell you about Voldemort? Oh, that's right. And Harry's like, no, 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 no. I literally just need your help with, like, curses. Like, right. I just need to understand. We, we don't know why the curse still exists, given that Voldemort is dead. Yes. Truly well and in the ground. Dead-o dead (laughs) and that should have ended it but it didn't so i need help understanding how curses operate can you help me with that and malfoy was like oh yeah yeah great sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) i didn't super want to get into like the inner workings of voldemort's mind i also couldn't really tell you um but you know this is great so they do that and it's a whole thing and 
Malfoy does the thing where he's like, I know you want to ask me about why I'm a librarian. <laughs> and Harry's like, oh, no, it's none of my business. Yeah. And he's like, mm, I know Granger asked, too. Exactly. Granger <laughs> must be beside herself. Yeah. And True. Harry's like, nope, and runs. Ah! <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. Incredible. Uh, so they start researching curses and trying to figure out, like, Draco's like, well, how much information do you have about Voldemort's role in this? Are you positive it was him? What's going on? And Harry's like, well, we are reasonably certain that he left a curse on something while he was here when he applied for the Defense Against the Dark Arts position, but we don't really know. He could have gone anywhere in the castle and it could have been anything. Right. The places we know he went were the headmaster's office and the room of requirement. Draco's like, uh, you don't have to worry about the room of requirement because I set it on fire. <laughs> um, and it's, they have to, like, navigate some awkward moments about their past together. Yeah. And they realize they should go back through the records and try to figure out what everybody has in common. Mm-hmm. Basically, Malfoy is just really helpful yeah. in a way that is really thoughtful and, like, he's really smart. And in this sort of conversation, they start talking about Draco and his house arrest and his mom. And Harry's like, I tried to have her senti- your mom's sentence overturned mm-hmm. for what she did for me. And Malfoy's like, I didn't know that. (laughs) Thank you. Interesting. Yeah, she would have served the years anyway because I was locked up. But, like, basically, the ministry took everything we owned. I was on house arrest. And I learned how to be a librarian while when I got our stuff back and had to reorganize our personal (laughs) library, which is, like, a really stupid way. But, like, like, listen to, like, what he says. It's like, um, I, uh, I was so angry I tossed the box across the room and books came spilling out. I picked up one, then another, and started putting them back on the shelves. After the third box, it seemed sensible to do it in some kind of order, so I created some categories. And then it seemed like a good idea to know what books we had, so I created a catalog. And I was like, that is the best, like, stumbling onto, like, well, I guess I'll do this. Yeah. Well, obviously they need to be alphabetical. Yeah. Am I a librarian? Yeah. So... He, yeah, so that's, like, how he became a librarian. I was like, this is anticlimactic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I was expecting a better story, but okay. I love it. So Harry learns a lot about Malfoy in that particular thing. And is like, again, there's more to him than I thought. Uh, they start regularly going through, like, combing through information in the library as much as they can to try to figure out this curse. Oh, and then they go to the staff Christmas party. Yes. So they've been building on this sort of, like, working relationship. They go to the staff Christmas party. And Harry, bless him, is not one for subtleties. And goes to Neville and is like, do you know why Malfoy apologizes to everyone? (laughs) (laughs) And literally Neville is like, God's sakes, it's a party. Would you chill out for ten minutes? And Harry's like, I'm not investigating. I'm just curious. We're talking about it. Like, everyone got one except me. Why didn't I get one? And why didn't I get one? And Neville's like, have you talked to him about it? And Harry's like, no. Like, <laughs> um, and it's like... He's like, have you ever apologized to him? Maybe he thought you were pretty even. Yeah, Neville was like, uh, I don't know that he necessarily owes you more than you owe him. Because you kind of gave as good as you got. Like, a lot of the stuff that he apologized for was stuff where he really, like did wrong against people as opposed to sort of giving back and forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, Harry's like, he did break my nose and like, you know, do all sorts of stuff. And then he's like, he remembers that he almost killed him with the Sectumcentra thing. (laughs) He's like, oh, actually, maybe we are. You you have a point. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's real. And then, but he kind of backs off and he's like, well, do you know when he started apologizing? (laughs) And then he realizes... 
Neville's like, well, he found some kind of muggle book about making amends or something. And Harry's like, so you mean a 12-step program? (laughs) (laughs) Did it have steps involved? And Neville's like, yeah. Or Malfoy Malfoy has walked over at this point. And uh, Harry's like, did did it have a list of steps, Malfoy? And Malfoy's like, yep. (laughs) And Harry's like, how many did it have? Perhaps 12? (laughs) And Malfoy's like, yeah, actually, yeah, that sounds right. So they realize that he's going through the steps of basically an AA yep. process with all of this, which is actually kind of great. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's really funny and really well done. So Malfoy is at the point where he's trying to take responsibility for what he has done in the past. And that's where the apologies come from, is making amends and, you know, saying, which recognizing harm. It's something that, that I, f- I think we've talked about on the show before yeah. with other Harry Potter AEs I've sent. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I think it's important when you have characters who are evil or who have done harm to other people in the canon that in fanfic you recognize that in some way and don't Mm -hmm. necessarily gloss over it. Even if it is to say that, like, it is still a facet of their relationship moving forward that is unresolved. I think when you, in fanfic, if you don't deal with it at all, you're just glorifying the ship. You're just, you know, shipping it for the sake of the, like, kissy kiss. Kiss kiss. (laughs) Yeah, which is fine, but I think the good ones really reckon with that. And figure out how to redeem those characters in a way that feels legit. Harry accidentally tells Draco that he almost killed Ron with poison mead. Oh, that's in right. In school, which Draco didn't realize actually happened. Yeah. Because um, he was trying to poison Slughorn, uh, but then Slughorn was fine, and he never saw the fact that Ron almost died of it. So Malfoy yeah. was clueless about the fact that it, that the mead was drunk. Yeah. So Draco goes and writes an apology to Ron. <laughs> Yep. Which I was like, oh my god, okay, cool. So Draco is actually making very real attempts yes. to, to make up for the sins of his past, which is kind of cool. They keep... Well, so in that keep... Christmas conversation, they like they have the moment where Neville's like, Jesus Christ, you're adults, use your Christian names. Yeah. And so they start calling each other by their first names. For the first time. Yes. And then Hermione... Well, this is for Christmas, because uh, Harry's going to go spend Christmas with uh, Hermione and Ron. Yep. He goes to their house, and uh, no one is there. <laughs> Hermione is like gone out to do something, so he's alone. Uh, he takes a nap, mm-hmm. um, and Hermione comes and's like, "Oh, ha- having a nap?" And he's like, "Just resting my eyes." And she's like, "Oh, I take it you haven't been sleeping well." And Harry says, "Oh, Ron squealed, did he?" Yeah, and that's the moment where Hermione is like, "Uh, like how long have you been having nightmares? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like this? I'm worried about you." And kind of just, like, feeds him and, like, lets it go. I was like, Hermione would never let it go like that, but okay. I wish she did a few times, when, mm-hmm. but only when Harry lost his temper at her. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so they're, they keep on keeping on in terms of, like, Harry rests up at the house and, like, kind of comes oh, back into his castle, own. Yeah. But also Ron and Hermione keep, um, like poking at the bear and being like do you like him do you like him which i was like ron would never never but okay in this universe put it on the shelf yeah um and uh harry and hermione as muggle-born people or like muggle-raised people have a laugh that like the alcoholics anonymous book is why malfoy is uh like sending out apologies they think that's really actually funny um but they also recognize that it's actually like a big step for somebody like draco to do that and that's kind of cool and um 
Ginny and Dean Thomas are going to move in together and that's sort of revealed. So, like, Harry realizes that everybody is kind of moving forward in their lives in a way that he's not. And that's Mm -hmm. frustrating to him. But he can't really pin down what he's frustrated about quite yet. And then Hermione finally is, like, when they get a moment alone and they're hanging out again, he's like, Hermione says, I think you've been cursed. And Harry's like, huh? And Hermione's like, have you had nightmares while you've been here? And Harry's like... No, I haven't. <laughs> Good catch. Interesting. And Hermione's like, yep, I think they are a curse. And he was like, huh. So they realize that and then they uh, start talking about how they're going to have to talk to Draco about it. And then Ron just like bursts from the kitchen. He's like, please, if you're going to talk about Draco, just admit you want a bone. Yep. I can't with the like, but he's so nice anymore. Like, you're pining for the fjords. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? And Ron is like, I can't take it anymore. Just kiss him. <laughs> he's like, it's like living with a 13-year-old Ginny again. He never notices me. I feel like he just looks through me. I just want to be his friend, which I felt attacked by. <laughs> I know. And that's the moment where Ron is like, you like Malfoy. <laughs> Clearly. Mm-hmm. And you are like, this is so dumb. And Harry's like, no, he's not gay. I just want to be his friend. <laughs> and Hermione is like, first of all, he's gay. Second of all, you don't want to just be his friend. Like, stop it. How do you know he's gay? And Hermione's like, Pansy Parkinson told me. And he's like, when are you in touch with Pansy Parkinson? <laughs> She's like in my women's group <laughs> and it's a whole thing. And, you know, Harry's just like, this is a weird fucking day. I'm under a curse. Apparently I have a crush on Draco Malfoy. Like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. He goes back to Hogwarts and they're like trumping along, like going on, like keep it on, keep it on. Yep. And Harry and Draco uh, keep on researching until February rolls around and then it's Valentine's Day. Mm. And then... Harry sort of, very stupidly tells Draco he has a date for Valentine's Day, quote unquote, oh. when he's actually going and taking care of Rose for Hermione and Ron yep. so they can go on a real people date, like an adult. Correct. So he goes for Valentine's Day and takes care of the baby and it's cool. Baby. And that's when Hermione sort of lets him know that she has uh, sent Draco an invitation to Rose's first birthday party, so he's going to be there. And um, Hermione is like, or Harry's like, oh my god, you are the worst. You are clearly trying to set me up and this is annoying. And Hermione's like, oh well. Yeah. Uh, it's Tough cool. Shit. They have a conversation about, like, what Harry wants to do next. Because the year is kind of coming to a sort of close. Yeah, and coming up. And it's not really clear from that. And it's kind of clear that Harry isn't quite satisfied with anything in his life right now. So Hermione pushes at that a little bit. And he kind of takes a minute to think about it. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh yeah. Um... He needs to go home and do work and all that kind of stuff. And then (laughs) Harry sneaks into the library, goes back to Hogwarts, sneaks into the library. And Draco is freaking out because of this stupid invite to this one-year-old birthday party. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, did you do this? Like, what (laughs) happened? And Draco's like, Hermione Granger has invited me to her daughter's birthday party. Me. What? (laughs) What is happening? And Harry's like, you did that all on your own, buddy. Like, you, I was not aware of that until she just told me. Pansy's going to be there, though. And Draco's like, Pansy Parkinson? And he's like, yep. Um, and yeah, Melfi's like, I can't go. Ron will kill me. <laughs> and he's like, nope. Ron actually is very excited for you to be on the Quidditch team, so Percy can't back out. Uh, so <laughs> it'll be fine. And then there's going to be a Quidditch game, because Ron wants there to be a Quidditch game. Yeah. And... It basically, it's just, like, this building sort of, like, 
relationship that's yeah. happening between the two of them that's now moving beyond just the research. It's moving also into, like, their lives are getting a little intertwined, and that's mm-hmm. a thing. This is a long one-shot. Uh, yeah. We've talked about this for too long. I agreed. <laughs> I can't skip through it, though. I tried. Just hit bullet points. And then it's over. <laughs> so next is Rose's birthday party slash Quidditch game. Yeah. So they, they play Quidditch. They play Quidditch. Harry Potter's a seeker again. Harry Potter is a seeker. He oh, wins the game. Almost doesn't because he spent the whole game staring at Draco Malfoy up until he sees Bill like zooming along. He's like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Here I go. And then he grabs the snitch and he's like, woohoo. Yay. And then he has a real reason to hug Draco and they do a whole team like whatever. Yeah. Which is super funny skip ahead to exams and stuff and they draco and harry are finally at a point where they're like we have to be missing something about this stupid fucking curse like there has to be something we're not considering and um harry is like how does the curse know that it's who the defense against the dark arts teachers are Mm -hmm. how do they figure this out and draco is like did you put a curse in the position description? And it's like, well, maybe, but like, how does the curse have survived its caster? So it has to be on an object. But what object it is, it's not something that's been touched, blah, blah, blah. And then it occurs to Draco that the curse is connected to the contracts and the ledgers of Hogwarts itself, like the records. Mm-hmm. And if you say, like anybody could say, you know, Harry Potter, the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, mm-hmm. once that has been said and the records sort of within the realm of the records and it's legally binding, you are cursed. And yeah. that's how it kind of works out. I didn't fully understand the details or the mechanics of the curse, but I didn't really care by then. Sure. <laughs> so the thing is that uh, the the ledger itself is what's cursed. So uh, the ledger automatic auto fills whenever there's a new position. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Because it can't be the contract, obviously, because a new contract is drafted every time there's mm-hmm. a new teacher. Uh, so once someone signs, a, you know, a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, it gets updated on the ledger, and then the ledger is the thing that's cursed. Yeah. So once you are on the Hogwarts ledger as the new teacher, yes. you are under the you curse. You boned. Yeah. <laughs> but not in a good way. No. <laughs> um, so... Unless you were that male pregnancy teacher, apparently. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, so Harry and Draco go down to the ledger and Harry can like sense that Voldemort's magic is there and goes to like cast a spell and destroy it like a fucking moron. The most in character Potter. Yeah. (laughs) And Draco's like, Harry, no! (laughs) And then it's just basically the spell happens. Everything is still, there's like an explosion. It's bad. Yeah. The spell rebounds and knocks Harry out and presumably causes some damage. Harry wakes up in Madame Pomfrey's care, which is a very familiar position yeah. for him to be in. <laughs> Deja vu. Um, and he has been wiped out by his spell backfiring on him. Mm-hmm. Because he was under the curse, he couldn't <laughs> exactly. destroy it like some kind of idiot. So Draco, comes to find out Draco had saved him from the majority of the like impact. the pain of yeah. the impact. But he had also been quite hurt by it. Um, and uh, they had figured it out like draco dragged his like unconscious ass up to you know the, yep. the thing and you like, know just grumbling the whole time yeah and like you know managed to get him to safety because he could have gotten like the shock could have gotten him even right. if the curse didn't so um the the curse breakers come in they realize that the curse was designed to exploit the weakness of the person mm-hmm. which is why harry's getting nightmares but right. like Again, but like to ask what the weakness of the person who got pregnant was. Yeah, I have questions. <laughs> Many. Who knows? Um, and um, so 
you know, everybody's like, well, Draco really saved you from this being a lot worse than it could have been. So Harry tries really hard to go see Draco, um, but he is bedridden because he is quite hurt. Correct. And Draco is also bedridden because he is also quite hurt. Correct. Eventually, they kind of see each other um, for a little bit, but Draco is really dodgy about it. You know, Harry's in bed reading some letters that he's gotten from work, and Draco comes by and is really dodgy, and Draco's like, you look awful. And Harry's like, yeah, so do you, bud. And they're like, whatever. At least Draco's like, at least I got out of bed. Harry mentioned something about having to go, um, you know, back to the ministry or the next assignment or, yeah. you know, something like that. And Draco is like, all right, bye. <laughs> got to go. Very suddenly. And Hermione's like, uh, Ron and Hermione have come to visit as well. Yeah. And they're all like, um, what's going on? He's like, I got to go. Bye. And leaves. And starts avoiding him. Like, they do, like, he doesn't, he won't speak to him or whatever. Harry uses the Marauder's Map to find him a couple days later. Yeah. He's like, I can't take any more. He finds him. Uh, again, disables the charm on the library to Well, that's get the in. thing is, because he, he kept looking in the library, but he could never find Draco. And he's like, where's he going? He uses the Marauder's Map. He's like, oh, he's in the library. Weird. Goes to the library and was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, there's that stupid detection spell for the students. He's using it to keep me. And then, um, so he's talking to Draco. And he's like, thank you for saving my life. It's a whole thing. They go back to Professor Potter. And it's like, uh, Harry's like, actually, it's not Professor anymore. It's like Deputy Auror Potter. And Draco's like, congratulations. That's really great for you. Yeah. Harry's like, would you like to come to dinner in London when I go there? He's basically trying really hard to ask him out. Mm -hmm. And Draco's like, I will be busy. Thank you. (laughs) And Harry's like, what if? you um i'd really love to show you around muggle london it's a very cool thing and draco's like i can't like mm-hmm. he's kind of cracking and then harry's like all right i guess i'll see you in september then draco's like huh september <laughs> um and he's like yeah i'll be at the sorting feast i'm trying to convince professor mcgonagall to let me come and be basically like a stand-in like policeman for yeah. the school basically i am now in charge of community-based aura programs Starting with a new program that I am setting at Hogsmeade. Yes, which yes. means I live here now. Surprise, bitch! And Draco's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Harry's still talking, and Draco just throws himself at Harry and like kisses him. <laughs> and then they go and have sex. Yes, that's wonderful. Like all over the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, they actually kind of start having sex, and then Harry Potter falls off of the couch. <laughs> That's right. And then oh. uh, they stop; like it kind of stops everything, and they just like gentle it back a little bit, and um, they end up just being like cuddling. And like Draco was like, "I'm really happy that you're staying. I was really hoping you would stay, and like I didn't want you to be separate." And Harry's like, "Yeah, this is great." And Draco's like, "Why would you do this for me?" And he's like, "I'm actually really not. I." Sarah's like, I didn't do this for you. I was already feeling pretty uninspired and unsettled with my life in the aura program. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want to do to make it better. So I did this for me, but it's really convenient that it's going to be next yep. to you. The wear of it is you. And Draco's like, cool, I'll take that. And yeah. then they just like cuddle on the couch. And that's the whole thing. The end. God, that was too long of a summary. A uh, little bit. Uh, but it, like, I think it speaks to, this is a very wordy it is. Very long mm-hmm. one shot. Yeah. It feels like it should be multi-chaptered. Yeah. But it also doesn't. I also wonder, though, like, how much... I wonder how... What it would do for it, you know? Because, I mean, you'd still be reading the same amount of words. Yeah. 
It, I really enjoyed it. Cool. But it was really long. It's almost it 30,000 words. Yeah. Which for a one shot is pushing it. Yeah. I liked it though. Okay, I think it was well written. Cool. I think it was good. My main criticism is that people are so out of character. Agreed. 100%. Draco too. Oh, 100%. He was too cuddly and passive. Never. Like, he was so nice. Yeah. And I was never. like, oh, where's your kind of like... Part of what makes Drury really... Really good is yeah. that, yeah, that they, they have that, like, uh, fire and water dynamic. Like, they yeah. will always clash, but yeah. in the best way. Yeah, and you can still do that while still recognizing that Draco needs to make up for some stuff. Yeah. And that Harry also has some things to make up for. Right. But I don't think you have to, like, edge it out so much yeah. or back away from it so much. So that would be my one criticism is that it feels really out of character. Agreed. But it's still well written. Cool. I'll give it a solid 3.8. Wow, nice. Yeah. We'll take it. Yep. Cool. Cool. Gordon. This uh, this has been a long one. I'm sorry. No, we that's We're on okay. such a roll. We, <laughs> we were, well, to be fair, you sent me 2,000 words and then 1,000 words. I know. So <laughs> you sent me a tenth of one one of my fix was. I know. It was great. <laughs> it was wonderful. Okay. All right. Uh, please... Uh, rate us, review us on iTunes so that other people can see us. Uh, Share this podcast with your friends. Please. We just want people to listen to this podcast and enjoy it. Send so. in any recommendations you have for fix we should read or fandoms yeah. we should read. Tags? Yeah. Send us tag recs. That's a good idea. We're That's what we haven't asked for because we're running out. <laughs> we're running low on this list. Yeah. You all need to help us. Yep. The weirder the better, but like we will take them seriously. Right, of course. Is what's cool about it. So exactly. you can send us weird tags and we will try we will to find look, ones that are good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've got a Twitter. Aaron loves it. We do have a Twitter. I do love it. I'm not being convincing, but it's true. I do enjoy pe- talking to people on Twitter. Um, we have a Tumblr. I haven't posted to it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, friends. We're doing great. Yep. We are on our way. Yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. All right. All right. Have a... Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, have some pie for us. Yes. Bye. Bye.